0: I miss church. You know, we 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 tent right up north, and there is no church uh, basically to go to. So we just sort of don't spend any time on Sunday in church. And and it's, it's lovely coming back here and being here. And do you know another thing as well? Um, you know, I've I've sort of got older and moved on from where I normally have been in life, and I really miss the opportunity of speaking in church, like I'm doing this morning, as I don't get many of these opportunities, and, uh, and it's just a, a wonderful thing to be able to to get around Jesus and His Word, and that's what we're doing in church, you know. When you come to church, you can't separate church from the Bible. Um, this is a pretty big Bible that I've got here, and um. um but it's, 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 it's central to Christianity, uh, to the Christian faith. There's no understanding of God apart from the Bible. So I love the opportunity of being able to sort of talk a little bit about the Bible. And this morning, we're looking at John 18. And I asked you... Many of you who are on the um, church WhatsApp, if you'd you'd mind reading the first 27 verses. I don't know whether you did, but I hope you did, and, and that will help you a little bit this morning. So we'll read quite a long reading from John 18, from 1 down to 27. Do you mind reading that length of reading this morning? From John 18, 1 to 27. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden whom do you seek? And they asked him, answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I'm he. Judas who betrayed him was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I'm he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he'd spoken of those whom you gave me. I've lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheaf. Shall I not drink the cup? That the Father's given me. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father in law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered them, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he'd said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if, that is, if, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, and he said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest. A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed and that that last thing was foretold so let's um think about this passage here this morning you know when we were on holiday we were right up north um, at a place called Woolies Bay and Woolies Bay is sort of north of Fangare. so you have to go about half an hour north of the city um, along the coast uh, and, and it's far from really any settlement at all I think there may be a, you know if few. Few hundred or dozen people living in the vicinity. And the skies are so dark at night, so beautiful. And what really stands out, I think, for anybody who's there tenting or, you know, batching up at Woolley's Bay is that at night, against this dark sky, you can see the most beautiful stars. And they all sort of just stand out and. Spring out of the sky because of the darkness of the sky. It's one of the most beautiful things. And every night when I go to the bathroom, you know, as it is um, in in tenting, I I just stand there every night about midnight, 1 a.m., and and look at the sky. It's absolutely magnificent, Um, the Milky Way and the satellites too that are moving uh, not among the stars but far beneath the stars but looking like a star. And, you know, this is what's sort of going on here. This is something sort of very dissimilar. And when you, when you set stars against a, a, a dark and black and inky black sky, then the stars just stand out and they, they shine and they twinkle, don't they? And when you see Jesus against this particular human being, Jesus stands out in this passage and shines and and that 's what we see in this passage there are really just the two human beings here there 's two persons uh, Jesus and Peter, and the latter you know the human being like us uh, a mere human being doing what we've all done so often as christian people and then jesus uh the lord a human being the lord being so different from from that man his his follower so when you look at this passage you see um quite a lot of attention given to peter um, and on three occasions, you see this man, this follower of Jesus, who is a standout follower of Jesus and the leader of the disciples. You see him on three occasions um, denying Christ and saying, No, he is not one of the disciples of Christ. You see him standing outside, and there's quite a lot of attention, I think, given to the description of exactly what's going on with Peter when he stands outside and he warms himself Uh, he's engrossed in his own feelings and his own emotions and when challenged uh, he denies hotly denies that he knows christ and the word used there on two of those occasions is the word deny which which really immediately, for anyone who knows the Bible, sort of summons up one of the most important sayings that Jesus ever gave, that whoever denies me before men, that man I will deny before the Father who is in heaven. That particular same word used as here in John 18 when Peter denied knowing anything of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you set that alongside the shining one, you know, Jesus, who's here full of peace and tranquility, um, full of concern for his own, and so confident and, and self assured about where he is and what is going on in his life and what will happen with him. In fact, the, the whole passage. When you see it, um, so um, when you read it, you can see very, very clearly that he, he understands the whole purpose of these occurrences in the garden of his arrest. He understands what's going on. He knows where he's going and what will happen to him. And there's a wonderful Honesty and transparency and openness about Jesus here in the garden when he's arrested and taken before the high priest's father and then the high priest himself. So, two persons, one against the other, one shining so brightly when put against. A human being like ourselves. And when we put Jesus against ourselves as professing Christian people, we're the, the night sky, we're the inky black sky, as it were. And Jesus, the shining star, shining ever more brightly because his behavior, his emotions, his words stand at such variance to what we do and how we behave as human beings. Now, Why the difference? That's the first sort of question I wanted to ask. Why is there such a difference between these two? Why did that man behave the way that he did? Um, That man, Peter, behaved the way that he did because he feared the isolation of being a professing follower of Jesus Christ in the midst of a whole room full as it were of people who at that point in time were opposed to Christ and no one likes being isolated and this particular human being Peter didn't like that no one in the church I think enjoys being isolated from the world and being seen by the world as standing at variance to the world and odd and different to people in the world. No one likes that, and Peter, you know, felt the same way, and so behaved as he did. And of course, included in that is the physical threat which was there. The, the fear of actual physical danger, which might have been his, had he come out openly and stated uh, his affiliation or his connection and association with Jesus Christ. That certainly is a reason. There's a deeper reason as well, which we'll certainly get to soon. And the deeper reason is that he did not know his Lord as he was to know his lord at that point in time he did not know his lord and in not knowing his lord as he ultimately did he didn't value jesus as he ultimately did as being far above the worth of being part and included in a gathering of people and not isolated as an individual person. Now, that's, that explains why Peter behaved the way that he did. And why did Jesus behave the way that he did? Well, I've already sort of touched on it. Because he knew the outcome of this whole sort of affair. He knew the outcome of the cross and of his death. He knew that through his death and through the cross, his cross, people would be saved. And he understood, as we read on in John 18, the, the value, the relative value of his kingdom as opposed to the kingdoms of the world, that he was living and dying for a kingdom and for citizens to be included in a kingdom that was far more valuable and far more precious than any kingdom, anything that man could give, any commodity that man could give, any any love that man could give, any association that a man could give, that kingdom was far more valuable than anything that a man could give. And men could then give Peter by his denying Christ. Jesus understood all that. He understood that his being there and his dying was for our sins that we might be forgiven and might be freed and included as citizens in his most wonderful kingdom. Now the next question is just a simple talk to you this morning is what are we going to do about it? How are we going to become the people the kind of people that Jesus wants us to be. How, how are we going to become the man that he, he hoped Peter would have been on that occasion when he was challenged and tested and flunked that test on three occasions? How, how will we become that man now, challenges, you know, are interesting things or tests. They're really like earthquakes. You know, earthquakes just come at you from out of nowhere and they reveal the, the structural integrity of a building, whether, whether it's really strong or not and can stand up within such a shake, you know. So when these challenges come and someone says, are you a Christian or why do you believe what you believe or why do you go to church on Sunday? When challenges like that are given, then it reveals what we're really made of, what stuff we're really made of and whether we're prepared as Christian people to stand up for Jesus and not be ashamed of Jesus at that moment. They're like earthquakes. They reveal the truth of what's really within, and they provide us certainly with a wonderful opportunity, those challenges and tests do, to stand up for him. So it may happen today that you're challenged and someone asks you, why? Why do you do that? Why do you believe that? Why do you have that opinion about abortion? Or why do you think that about marriage and about gender? Why do you behave as you do in the neighbourhood and do what you do? When these things are, are raised by neighbours and friends and colleagues at work or in the school or whatever, then there, at that moment, is an opportunity for you to stand up for Christ and not to be ashamed of him. But how do you, how do you get into a position where you're going to behave well when challenged and when tested? What was the problem with Peter what, what was the issue with Peter? Why was he not the man that he might have been at that point? And the real, the real answer to that, that question, and there is only one answer, is that he did not know his God as he should have known his God. And that's the essential problem with, with us often in the church. We don't know the master well enough. And not knowing the master well enough we can't stand up for the master as we should. We don't value the master as we should because we don't know the worth of the master. So what are you going to do about that? You know, if that is the essential problem, if that was his essential problem behind is not standing up for Jesus. And that's our essential problem in not standing up for Jesus when we're challenged and when we're tested at school at work when someone asks us about our moral position or whatever what are we going to do about that how are we going to come to a greater understanding of god and value him the more and know what we're defending more how are we going to do that we have to get into this book we have to get into the bible I thought, you know, when I made that point and wrote it down on the paper, how, how utterly boring for people to hear that. You've heard it before. But I don't have another answer. And, um, you know, I think the other night, Ranjit, you were sort of talking about your own, you know, life and whatever and, and what we do and don't do. There is no other answer. I don't have anything else to give you. You need to become readers of the book and readers of the Bible. And the the sad thing is that by your own confession, many of you are not. I think maybe most of you are not. You're not reading the Bible as you should. You're not When there's an opportunity to come to church, you don't take up that opportunity. When there's an opportunity for the children to come to Sunday school, they're, they're not brought to Sunday school. You know, every opportunity to hear preaching, to come to church, to come to care group, to be with one another, to read the word and study the word, must be should be taken up by christian people because it's only through that means there is no other means there's no other means it's it's the single door through which one comes to a knowledge of christ and it's a narrow door a little door as it were One must go through this door, through the reading of the word. And in the word, one learns that he's a living saviour and the king of the universe and died for our sins and cares for the church and loves the church. We know all these things. We learn all these things about the, the living God, the only true God Who's the master of the universe and the saviour of the world. All of that is only learned in the Bible. So you must read the Bible. And in, through knowledge comes its, shall we say, its children. The children of faith. Trusting in him. One only can trust in what one knows and understands. So you, you read the Bible to know him, and in knowing him, you trust in him. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which, which I've committed to him. You know, the, the persuasion, the trust, the, the love, the dependence upon God comes through knowing God, and knowing God comes through reading His Word. It's very, very simple, isn't it? There is no other path, and I'm recommending it to every one of you. And really, until I think until we see the whole of this church um, go through this door and hurry through this door and press through this door, we're probably not going to see people come to a saving understanding of Him as we as we want to you know peter's um denial pretty pretty fearful thing isn't it it, um, he was reminded of it remember on the beach in galilee when jesus asked him three times do you love me three times you know clearly a reference to this clearly a reference to this just bringing it to mind this terrible moment in his life when he flunked the the greatest test of all and never stood up for Jesus you know that in this John 18 is a warning to us we should be prepared we should prepare ourselves for the challenges and the tests when they come you know, it's it's one thing for people to hate you. I don't like being hated. And do you know one of the reasons why I've always found preaching very difficult in the church, and I'm frightened of it, and still am, is that I'm, I'm so preoccupied with myself and what people would think of me if my pronunciation or grammar or words or vocabulary or reasoning or whatever was not as as it should be. It's always made me consumed within myself. And does it really matter, you know, what you think of my preaching? Uh, it, it matters what you think of the person that I that I'm preaching, you know, Jesus. That, that matters, not what you think of me. And if, you, if you're hated in school and, and no one particularly likes you because you're an open Christian in year 13 and stand up for Jesus, and there is no other Christian in your class, and you stand up for Jesus on points of moral issues which are right to the fore in New Zealand today, such as abortion, gender, same-sex marriage, these issues if you stand up for Christ there, does it matter if they don't like you and hate you? Not particularly. What matters is what Christ thinks of you. And if if Christ denies you on the last day before his Father who is in heaven, that is one very, very serious condition for a human being to be in. And I don't want any human being to be in that position I don't want any of you to be in that position today. One day it will come. One day the master of the universe will come and the whole of this earth and all that happens will be brought to a sudden halt and everyone will have to appear before the master of the universe. And our only answer, our only point of safety before the master of the universe will not be in ourselves or in our being good, which we never are, but will be in our being in him and trusting in him for the forgiveness of sins. So learn from the lesson. Be prepared. Don't deny him lest he deny you before the Father in heaven. So let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for this passage. It's a famous passage and uh, well known by Christian people. And uh, we thank you so much that in the Bible, even the bad, bad points of Christian people and people who trusted you are, are never omitted. The Bible is just full of the rotten behavior of human beings and of how much we need you, how much we need your forgiveness and need your strength. So we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to learn from this wonderful lesson. And we pray for the whole church, for one another. We pray for one another, for brothers and sisters and friends, right at this moment. We pray for one another, that each of us would not deny you before men and women, but would stand up when the moment comes. Stand up for Jesus and his word. We pray that you bless us now for the rest of this day and we thank you so much for Sunday. Thank you for church day. Thank you for every golden opportunity you give us in this land where there's freedom of religion and no persecution, physical persecution of the church. We thank you for every opportunity for church and for today's opportunity as well. Amen.